Welcome to Slalom. This is Slalom on Air, a podcast series sharing how our core values inspire our work. Real voices, real stories, real impacts. Our goals are to dream bigger, move faster, and build better tomorrows. Welcome to Raising Your Voice on Slalom on Air. My name is Avery Green, and I'm from the Detroit market. My pronouns are he, him, and I identify as queer. Today's episode is brought to you by PRISM, Slalom's employer resource group for the LGBTQ plus community and their allies. This episode will be one of the most eye-opening and impactful conversations in Slalom on Air history, so get ready. We are so lucky to have three openly trans women here with us. Please welcome Rea Shimabukuro from Silicon Valley and Audrey Jensen and Jen McCullough from Philadelphia, who will be sharing their amazing stories with us today. Hello, friends. Glad to be here. Hi. Hello. All right, Jen, why don't you give us a brief introduction and tell us a little bit about your story? Yeah, so I'm a a senior principal here at Slalom, and I've been in consulting for about the last 15 years. Uh, My transition was a little bit interesting in that I was uh, working at a big four consulting professional services firm, traveling four days a week for the first like three years of my transition. Uh, I had known that I was trans since I was probably five or six. Uh, So, you know, subsequently proceeded to sort of bury it and really try hard not to be trans. Uh, So throughout my life, it was just sort of a constant, uh, like, I was really like toxic masculinity was like my thing because it didn't come naturally to me. But if you could be kind of shitty about it, then like nobody would guess that I was trans or something like that. Um, But once I started transitioning in my early 30s, things were pretty rough. Uh, And I think that that back then, at least, it's different than it is now. Um, I think today there's a lot less pressure to pass and a lot, lot less necessity, but I felt, you know, six or seven years ago that like absolutely needed, uh, like facial surgery to be able to pass, you know, and which is passing in the context of trans people is essentially being able to walk around in the world and have people not know that you're trans. Uh, so in my case, you know, that, that means everybody just kind of sees me as a woman, which is really nice, but also cost me about 70, 75 grand. So definitely not free either. Uh, and I, I think that, you know, it's, it's been interesting and it's been a privilege to be on the forefront of that. Uh, and, you know, I hope that folks in the future are able to kind of do things without, you know, their, their own way without feeling the pressure to sort of conform. All that said, life is a lot easier when you do pass. You, you run into a lot fewer issues. People tend not to single you out. You know, you, you just don't stand out in the world. Uh, you can kind of go through your day and, and just be treated as, as, a, as a human being. That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, Another question for you, Jen, is what is your advice um, for young trans professionals? Yeah, I think one of the most important things, whether in a professional context or not, is just build your support network, right? Like you you need people to support you and they're going to need to be people who have some experience with this stuff. Be upfront with folks, uh, you know, set expectations around work too. Just be open to the fact that that it's a learning experience on both sides. Just try to have those people who you you have and maintain good relationships with, and uh, you know use that to smooth over any of the the challenges that you end up having. All right, perfect. Thank you so much for that, Jen. Um, Raya, now on to you. You shared with me that transitioning fixed everything but destroyed everything else. What did you mean by that? Uh, part of coming out for me and starting my transition, I think, was around like feeling comfortable with myself. And really, like, reducing the overall level of misery of living in my own body. And so I think in some ways, by transitioning, was able to uh, really, you know, build up, like, a big support network and find allies and be more comfortable in my own skin, which definitely was positive on the flip side of that. 
that definitely isn't to say that everything was all hunky-dory. You know, I feel like absolutely blessed to live in the Bay Area, which is one of the most progressive areas in the country. And I feel like I have, you know, a lot of support. But at the same time, like individuals all react differently to a person coming out as trans. Probably the biggest one was that, uh, you know, after, you know, having a conversation around being trans with my wife at the time, that conversation went fine. We had been together for, for a pretty long time at that point. And I let her know, like, at the beginning of our relationship that, uh, you know, I had been kind of questioning my gender. It's something that, like, I'd known about uh, since, like, very early on in my life. And it was something that kind of had continued to needle me as time had gone on. So it was something to be aware of while being in a relationship. And so that had gone fine uh, up until, like, mid-COVID when it stopped going fine. (laughs) Uh, and as I became more actively perceived as a woman, you know, my wife, uh, was clear that, you know, she was no longer attracted to me and that the relationship was no longer going to work. And so, um, you know, my wife and I have split since then and it definitely like that, that took a lot out of me, especially like during COVID, but at the same time, like still the relief that I have found and like being able to, to be openly trans, I think was kind of like what I, I got out of that deal and I, I wouldn't have traded it. So, yeah. Yeah. No, thank you so much for being so vulnerable and sharing that with us. Um, when you came out as trans, uh, what kind of support did you need during that time? And then how can our listeners show up for trans people during this critical time in their lives? Sure. Um, you know, when I came out, I, I was actually like really worried about coming out to my parents, especially my dad, who is like a, a very intimidating, like old school Japanese guy. And so uh, I originally came out to my my in-laws who provided me with like a lot of support. They like they took a lot of time to educate themselves on like, you know, what what being trans was kind of like having an understanding of how they could make me feel comfortable, like using correct pronouns, using the name that I'd chosen and really like focusing on making me feel like warm and welcomed in their home. I I felt really blessed. I think that that was like a piece of support that I I really like needed and eventually kind of like came to expect of most people that, you know, if if you want to be in my life, like this is something that like you need to step up to. No, that's very true. Like when I started playing with my own gender identity, like I was very forceful with it because I didn't want to like have people have conversations with me about it. It's just something that I wanted to showcase and like, here, this is who I am, deal with it. So when I started playing with my gender identity and kind of exploring what that meant for me, I do fashion design on the side. And um, that's what I studied in college. Um, for one of, for my final fashion show before I graduated, um, I walked in a dress and it was the first time that my parents have ever seen me dress in a different way. And it was just like, I don't know, it was so liberating just to like come out and show like, hey, this is who I am. I like to wear dresses sometimes. Like I like wearing female clothing. I like wearing male clothing. <laughs> it was just such a weird and cool time to uh, to express that. And that was kind of like my whole coming out moment to my parents. Like, hey, I don't necessarily prescribe to the binary. So Audrey... Uh, how did you first start realizing that your gender identity didn't line up with your body? Uh, so there's this this kind of set of feelings that we collectively call dysphoria or gender dysphoria. And essentially, like the one of the things that's most common is a sense of distance between you and your body. And it's a kind of pervasive feeling where it's like every piece of your life that you possibly can imagine having a gender dimension for some reason, you just don't feel like you fit in it. And as a result, it feels like you don't fit in your life. Like 
a, a great example of that is I have never understood men. I thought that I did because I thought that I was one for somewhere in the neighborhood of 35 years. So there's there's a, a handful of different aspects to it. Like one of the other things is I couldn't look in the mirror and I couldn't really, I never wanted to see myself. And so I had very few mirrors in my home. And that was because I was just generally uncomfortable with my face. What I didn't know was that that was because one of the main things that triggers my dysphoria is facial hair. And I constantly wore facial hair because I also had a real problem with the shape of my jaw. And so I would rather have the beard and rarely look at myself in the mirror than see my chin at all. <laughs> but there is a, a kind of um, other piece to this. There's also this thing called gender euphoria. And sometimes it's like a kind of giddiness that you get. And I get this actually quite frequently after, I would say about six to eight months in my transition, I would look at myself in the mirror. I would see myself and and suddenly I would just be completely happy. I'd be like, oh my God, there's the person that I knew was there somewhere and I just couldn't see them, you know? Yeah, no, that's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing those stories with us. Um, Audrey, so you recently shared your mental health journey with me. Um, would you be willing to share that journey with us and explain how therapy played a major role for you? Yeah, so... When I was a very young person, um, maybe about eight or nine years old, I would act very feminine. And it was something that when, as my single mother, my mom never really minded, and she's always been a kind of free spirit person. When, when she and I would just go do our thing, everything would be fine. But right around the time I was eight or nine years old, she met this guy who had recently broken up or become separated with his wife who yeah, came out as gay. And essentially, he subjected me to a lot of abuse. And in that kind of a situation, the only kind of, especially when you're, you're a sensitive trans child, is in order to survive, you need to kind of stop feeling. You need to turn those parts off of yourself that cause you to experience that pain directly. So that's what I did. I, I shut down. And uh, I think it was as early as 13 or so, um, right around the same time I started puberty, that I was literally thinking, what ways do I have out of this? Um, I was about 17 years old when I was able to escape that situation. And I was able to do that by going to college. And when I left for college, I had a huge amount of anger that had been stored up. And it was one of the only feelings I could actually feel. It was one of the things that got me through that period of time that by being angry at him, I could use that as a mechanism to like keep those negative thoughts at bay. And that nearly destroyed my life. I was very lucky uh, five years after starting college when I was 22 uh, to have met my wife and her really wonderful family who uh, miraculously was composed entirely of women. It was her, her sister, and her mother. And so for the first time in my life, I not only got to see what it was like to have a functioning family, but also to meet a lot of women and to have really deep conversations with them. So I think uh, that that was one of the main things that, that kind of saved my life. Uh, around 35 years old, I finally had figured out that I'm a trans woman. And that was simultaneously one of the most liberating and one of the most terrifying thoughts I possibly could have. But I understood implicitly that I had to pursue this. There was not any other way to, to make it work. And within two months of that, 
I had lined up a therapist and come and within three months come out to my entire family. But what I didn't know is that that history that I had would actually have a much greater impact on my life. Because when you're subject to that much abuse and intolerance so early in your life, the skills that you develop, those survival skills that you develop in that time will stay with you for your entire life. Yeah. No, that's, I don't even know what to like say. Like, thank you for sharing that with us. And thank you for being vulnerable. And uh, I'm glad that you're thank here you. to, to share your story and to, um, you know, be here for everyone who's listening. And hopefully, you know, there's people who are questioning or don't know if they will be accepted uh, for being trans or for being who they are. And hopefully if they, you know, when they hear your story, they'll feel empowered to, uh, to be themselves. What is the best part about transitioning? I would say the best part about transitioning is being able to sort of come into yourself fully. Uh, you know, it may not happen until later in life, but like I, I feel that I, I wasn't really alive before any of this. Yeah. Raya, how about you? I would say that the best part about transitioning for me has been just really being able to be the person that I want to be and not the person that I feel like I like need to be perceived to be. Audrey, same question for you. Yeah, I just being. The ability to be myself, the ability to be me in my own skin and to just feel like I can finally be part of the world instead of beside it is huge for me. Thank you for sharing that with us and thank you for being vulnerable. All right. So in the Slalom on Air tradition, uh, we usually pick a theme song for the podcast. Jen, I know that you picked one out for the group. Can you share that with us? Yeah. So I chose a song by Kim Petrus called Heart to Break. Uh, so Kim Petrus is uh, actually a trans woman who transitioned as a, as a teenager and uh, is essentially like, a, she's not even a queer artist at this point. She's like, you know, she showed up, I found out about her on like my Apple Music workout playlist that was, you know, pushed to me. Uh, so, you know, I think there, there are a few trans artists who have seen some wide success and she's one of them. And I think, uh, you know, there's only going to be more in the future. Yay. <laughs> okay, perfect. Thank you for the opportunity. <laughs> yeah. Bye. Thanks for listening to Slalom on Air. Tune in to hear more by following us on your preferred podcast listening app. New stories will be coming regularly. And if you're interested in joining Slalom, check us out at slalom.com slash careers. <laughs>